0: Do you ever feel burned out with work? Are there your passions or interests aren't in alignment with your personal or professional goals? My name's Jake Sudnick, and on Finding Self with Jake, I'll share advice that's helped me improve my life and the stories of others who've created the life that they want. In doing so, my goal is to help you live a life that aligns with the things that you want. Megan, how are you doing today? I'm
1: good. How are you doing, Jake?
0: I am so excited to have you on the show finally. Oh my goodness. Okay, so for, for you listening, Megan Anderson, my lovely girlfriend, is on the show, and I've been trying to get her on for a little bit, probably since I started. I would say when I, well, we, we actually met and started dating, what, early January? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and she has been such an absolute, like, number one super fan. Like, she sends me people to be on the show. Some of the other guests that I've had on her because of Megan. And, and guess what? She is just as cool, if not, like, cooler than them. Don't tell them. They're, if they're listening, Colleen, oh, no. I'm so sorry. I mean, and I didn't mean that in any way. <laughs> but Erin, <laughs> it's not about you. You're very <laughs> but,
1: sweet to say that. Uh, I don't um, know about that, but.
0: <laughs> she's very pretty. Um, anyway, <laughs> the point of all of this being Megan is an awesome and accomplished person, and I've been super excited to actually talk to you because I feel like some questions that I've had for you I've actually saved because I wanted to get them recorded live so I could hear it for the first time. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so a little quick intro about Megan. Uh, I, I guess I always like to let people introduce myself, but the like, quick synopsis, I guess everybody always wants to know, like, okay, you introduce yourself, and like this is what I do for work. So Megan, you've been at Playhouse Square for—is it ten years now?
1: Uh, eight. Eight years. Yeah, so, so it's been a long time.
0: Almost a decade working downtown at Playhouse Square, and then also with U.S. Quiddish, correct? Yes. For also about a decade. Yes. Okay, so that's big stuff. Now, outside of those two things, it's easy to identify yourself with work. Who are you outside of your work?
1: Oh my gosh. See that? Okay, so that kind of segues into like a really big realization that I had, and I don't know if you meant for uh, this road for me to go down in conversation, uh, but when the pandemic hit, and you know, like I was furloughed from my job, uh, you know, really got to sit with myself and my thoughts a lot, and in that, I realized that work was the thing I did outside of work.
0: <laughs> work was the thing you did outside yeah, of work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So it was like a big revelation of like, whoa, I do not have a healthy work-life balance here and I need to work on that. So it's, with it being something I realized and kind yeah. of, put some like better boundaries on, you know, work-life balance, uh, you know, like my newer hobbies that I've kind of, uh, you know, tried to get into at least I've gotten into baking a little bit more. Uh, Uh, it's not great, but, uh, you know, things are happening there. It's edible. That's the most important part. Um, I attempt puzzles every once in a while. Um And then, I don't know, I, I find it very important to make time to hang with friends, too. That's always a yeah. big priority for me. So I think more of that, as best as possible with you know my current work schedule, um, is something that I like to make happen, too.
0: Awesome. And I, I think that that's something that is really admirable to me. Is, is socialite the right word? Somebody who's very, very social? What does that actually mean? I don't know if that's the right word or not. <laughs> Is that like a derogatory term? I
1: don't know. I mean, (laughs) extrovert's a good word.
0: We'll use extrovert instead. But I think that your extroverted tendencies are incredible because that's something that would you say you've maintained pretty well even when you were working a lot?
1: I, yeah, I tried to do it all when I worked a lot. Uh, So it was one of those things where it's like, all right, well, all right, at 8 a.m. I'm going to this thing and then I have book club at like 12 but then after that I'm getting lunch with this person but then I've got you know a concert that I'm going to that evening with people so like it was just like constant go Uh, go 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 cramming things all in a day or two yeah in those days I didn't have work so now it's like a little more spread out it's more (laughs) of a healthier balance so I'm not just constant go 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 and just draining myself
0: so you basically lived in your schedule
1: correct oh (laughs) yeah it was yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's take it back a little bit because for a point of reference of what that meant for you, because one of the things I've talked a lot about is burnout with work. Mm -hmm. And it seems Mm -hmm. like you've had a little bit of a similar journey on this whole process. So when you were like peak at, you know, doing what you were doing beforehand, Mm -hmm. what did a day look like for you? Or what did a week look like for you? Like when you said busy, like put that in perspective for people, because I think that that can mean so many different things depending on who you are.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, my job at Playhouse Square, um, has always been, uh, events related. And so sometimes, you know, that may mean working, you know, from eight or 9 AM until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And that's a normal thing in the week every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, my work with U.S. Quidditch is kind of outside of normal work hours. So, you know, that means, you know, meetings at 9 o'clock at night because we're all in different time zones. Or, yeah. you know, I'm working until like 10, 11 o'clock at night on projects that have to get done because I couldn't get to it during the day.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and then, you know, I, I was part of a lot of things in the community too. So, okay. you know, sometimes there'd be a meeting for, you know, like the greater cleveland stem foundation i was on the board for them and so you know sunday mornings would be a board meeting that i would have to you know take three hours of my day to kind of put towards uh or you were know, those
0: things you wanted so like those extracurriculars yeah. were those just things you enjoyed doing or were they in like relation to your career
1: you know uh, it's it's a mix of stuff <laughs> yeah it's some stuff where i i would pursue like those extra things um, you know, cause I wanted to, or they were things that I kind of stumbled into, you know, like, ah, yeah. oh, you know, like I knew someone and they needed help. So, you know, of course I'm going to jump in and, and help that person, you know, plan their gala that they're doing. So, it, uh, it. so it, it's a lot of, uh, me, me, <sighs> I would say it's a little bit of me not knowing how to say no as okay. well for a long period of time. Okay. So it, between that and never actually pausing and thinking about work-life balance, that was never a thing. Um, yeah. yeah it, it all all built up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so and I think to explain a little bit to the, the folks listening, because that... Explaining a little bit about what your what your work actually was at Playhouse, you said events, so you were in charge of planning the events that happened there. Is that the idea of like what your position is? Yeah. So is? Sorry.
1: Um, No, you're good. No, I, I recently changed roles there, so that's why it's a uh, is yeah. or was that yeah. jig saying? Um, so it's a mix of uh, festivals are a big thing. So in the summertime, uh, you know. We have, you know, Jazz Fest at the end of summer, so that's like an entire weekend dedicated to that and, and mm. you know, time leading up to that. Uh, American Dance Festival is another one. Border Light Fest- Fringe Festival. Um, now we've got the Cleveland International Film Festival, um, which just loaded in
0: yeah
1: uh, yesterday uh, and is kicking off this week. So it's a lot of, you know, anyone in this industry uh, tends to have very odd hours because, you know, entertainment isn't a nine to five yeah. business, you know, you're going to shows at seven, eight o'clock at night and someone's got to work
0: those shows. Yeah. So that's interesting because your actual setup, you do work in like an office. So sometimes it like it, it, I do forget that you are in the entertainment field. That's actually what that is. So like <laughs> yeah, and in, a, in a way, both of, I guess, well, sports entertainment is a little bit different, but Quidditch would fall into that same kind of umbrella yeah. as well. Right. I so. think so. So with the event planning, that can be super time-consuming, weird hours, lots of just irregularness to that life in general, Mm -hmm. and now... The other side of it. Okay, so some people are hearing Quidditch, and for the first time, like me, I was blown away that this was a real thing. I was so baffled. I'm like, oh, my God, you mean like the things where people fly (laughs) around in brooms in Harry Potter? We don't talk about Harry Potter. Um,
1: (laughs) It's like Bruno. We we don't don't, talk about him. We don't talk
0: about Harry Potter (laughs) (laughs) in Quidditch anymore. No, no. (laughs) So anyway, what to, to to the person completely new to this, what is that? What is Quidditch? And what do you do there?
1: Yeah, so Quidditch, uh, the best way I can describe it is like a mix of rugby, dodgeball, and flag football mm-hmm. um, and the way that it's played. Uh, we have a collegiate division. We have an adult club division as well. Uh, we have over 100 teams across the country. So U.S. Quidditch is the national governing body in the United States, um, but there's over 30 national governing bodies around the world okay. um, that supervise the sport. So yeah, but uh, the sport was started here in the United States at Middlebury College back in oh goodness 2005, I believe okay. so it's still a fairly new sport
0: Wow and you were pretty early on in the joining up with the, this group.
1: Yeah, yeah I joined in uh, 2012 mm. um, well now see now I'm second guessing whether it started in 2005. I don't quite remember, but it, it it, not too far off uh, from everything year two, yeah. It was right there. yeah but so you know my role with the league it, it's it's evolved over the years so like i started as uh you know a volunteer position uh i was the assistant to the uh commissioner and uh co-founder of the sport alex benepe yeah. um for a number of years um And then from there, I got into the events area, um, helping with like hospitality management, which kind of meant all the ticketing and guest services and all the people kind of stuff. And then from there, I took uh, a different role with the league, helping with membership, some marketing projects within the league, and then additionally other programs, too, that we're working on developing.
0: Okay. So you've been all over and essentially with it for a long time, you've done... I'd be in a lot of different roles in the same organization. Now, what I wanted to kind of get to out of all of this is, so what I was trying to get to is, basically, you've had this kind of crazy, really consuming thing that has been a passion for you, but it's taken a lot of time. It's taken a lot of energy. How do you deal with the burnout portion of your life?
1: Yeah, Uh, you know, it's It's been different things over the years, to be quite honest. Um, you know, pre-pandemic, I really didn't deal with it. I would kind of work, 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 work until I was so overly burned out and would need kind of like a recharge day yeah. or two and then go do it all over again. Um, you know, nowadays, though... I, I try as best as possible to uh, avoid hitting that point of burnout. Um, and for me, you know, it's me knowing that, hey, uh, make sure you eat today. That's, okay. that's a very important thing. I, I am someone who I will work, 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 and it'll be 7 o'clock at night and be like, oh fuck, I didn't eat.
0: (laughs) Like, and then like, the whole day went by.
1: Yeah. And then it all catches up. And then, then then I'm like, man, that's why I'm in a, like a slightly crabby mood right now. (laughs) Like I have nothing fueling me right now. Um, Or, you know, I, you try to look at my schedule in advance and know, okay, uh, this is going to be an extremely busy time period for me. So, you know, when there are moments for me to get, you know, maybe an extra hour of sleep in, Or, you know, just kind of manage my time expectation with friends and and you as well, too, during periods of time to be like, hey, you know what? I'm kind of out of commission during these dates. I'm happy to do something after, before, or, you know, if we try to do something during, it's going to be on a very limited basis. Yeah,
0: yeah. Did you feel when, you know, pre-pandemic, did you notice that you were getting burned out or was it something that you didn't really recognize until you were like left alone with your because i feel like a lot of people i've talked to have had this change of the way they thought when they were forced to you know dis, distance themselves from their career or when a lot of people thought like maybe this isn't going to be what i do anymore because they were you know sent home so did you feel beforehand that you were experiencing that or was it somewhere in between or after
1: Oh, it's it's something that like I definitely experienced it, but I never took the time to really face it. Okay, if that makes sense and, and now i I try to make sure that I'm anticipating it. Okay. in a sense and and just being more mindful of how I'm taking care of myself, whereas in in the past, I did a trash job of taking care of myself. Okay. Um, and we just kind of go, 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 go. And not stop.
0: <laughs> when you finally had to stop, did it make you realize what you had been doing?
1: Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes, I was like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Also, I don't know if we're supposed to swear on this podcast. Yeah,
0: it's fine. It's not. <laughs> great. <laughs> I, I Kids, can,
1: turn your ears off. I'll
0: put the explicit tag on just for your episode, oh, and nobody cool. else's.
1: <laughs> Ooh. Uh,
0: <laughs> Be like, why is the one with his girlfriend explicit? <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's so funny so that's so that's interesting so it was kind of that having that force stopped that made you realize okay i've got to change the way i'm living because it just wasn't mm-hmm. really sustainable to keep going in that direction a
1: hundred percent yes and i just wasn't happy either like i yeah. i was realizing like yeah i was doing all of this stuff but then like why like it was like affecting my mental health and you know as someone who like i do have depression, um, sure. you know, and was on medication for it for a period of time, you know, did do counseling for a, a number of years, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm at a point where, you know, I am not on any of those things right now, um, but it, it's because everything, for, at least I'm fortunate enough to be able to manage it all a little bit yeah. better. Um, whereas back then I, I, it it was extremely hard to, and I really think like the way I was just living my life was just fueling and contributing to already like not great, like mental health states that I was in. So like, it was just like feeding it like 10 times more, you know, of course, you know, still have those days where I, I, you know, don't have energy and, you know, depression like kind of gets the best of me, but it's, at least that is happening with me having a better taken care of body and mental health. So it's kind of more, it's more manageable.
0: So you feel maybe you've like built a little bit better of a base to stand on yeah. for the days that you do get hit a little bit more. that uh, you get punched so that you're not going to crumble.
1: A hundred percent, yes. Because back, back then I was crumbling.
0: <laughs> this is a really personal question. You can decline to answer it if you, if you so choose to. Mm-hmm. How did depression manifest for you? What did it look like?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, to be like very candid, uh, you know, I would have like very intense emotions, um, you know, would be someone who, uh, you know, thoughts about, you know, like death and things like were very prevalent things that would kind of cross my mind and be like, Oh, you know, like I have this big project that I'm working on, but I'm thinking about dying right now. Like, I just like, it was just like really weird to balance all of that. Um, and, you know, in other ways, it would manifest, you know, there would be moments where, like, I would be extremely tired. Yeah. Um, you know, way back in the day, self-harm, unfortunately, was something, you know, that high school me kind of, you know, didn't know how else to deal with stuff. And I was sure. like, well, I got to, f- I know some people that are doing this. And that, that, so, I, I I, guess I'm going to do this. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what else to do with all these emotions I have. Yeah. And, like, I, it, it's it just be very, yeah, it's very, very overwhelming. and. Yeah. It was a very very long road. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I yeah, it's it's a difficult thing to deal with and I've had bouts myself and mm. I think that it's common and I'm happy people are talking about it more because it's one of those things where you don't have to be alone with that. You yeah. don't have to um, be ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. It's not something to be a, to be because it doesn't mark who you are as a person. It doesn't limit what your abilities are. I mean, we see people that are incredible high levels of success in society that never you know that still lose to depression and Mm -hmm. they die and they kill themselves and there's crazy things like that that can happen. And it's, it's terrible to not have an outlet where you can talk about what you're going through. I think it's so important that people are able to have that voice and say what is happening for them. Because it takes some of the power back, I think, when you're able to claim what you what the issue is you're dealing with.
1: Yeah. Well, another thing is, you know, with the stigma that's, you know, unfortunately around it, I, you know, it's getting a lot better. Um, but you know, I I think you know, you know, people that have like sick days as an example, like sick days don't have to mean you're like physically ill. Like yeah. that can actually be like you're <laughs> mentally just not well, you and need that's a break okay today. to take to use that. Yeah. Like, you know, I will say like, I, I still find myself pausing, you know, like, you know, when you request like a day off, like, and you're using a sick day to be like, who, like, is, is, you know, is my boss going to be okay if I say like, I I just need a mental health day? Like, you know, is that sufficient? Like you find yourself questioning and it's so odd and such a weird stigma that you have to be like, like that inner dialogue, at least for me is still there. of like, okay, no, like I don't need to question or justify to my boss, you know, why I'm taking this sick day for mental health day. Like, I should just yeah. be like, hey, you know, like, mental health day. I need it. Like, I'm taking it. Sure. And leave it at that. And, and not it, overthink it.
0: And <laughs> if that's part of your job, which, you know, for a lot of people that, that have that is, like, the ability to take some time, It, I don't know if it comes with stipulations or if it should, right? Right, right. But, oh, right. okay, like, oh, you can take it if it matches what our criteria is of you not being able to come in today, like, right. There's something about that. So what is, what's your opinion on what I guess you'd call like the big hustle culture mentality. That's, you know, everywhere now, right. The grind until you make it type thing. I mean, there's, I've got opinions on it. I'm curious what your thought is on hustle culture.
1: Yeah. What's what's odd is I have, like, a dry erase, like, really cute board on my desk that says hustle on it. I, I mainly got it for the board because it was really cute, but sorry. Uh, that's a side conversation. Um, but I... I don't know. You know, I think it's different for everyone.
0: Sure. You know,
1: like, I, I don't think it's really fair for me to, like, have a blanket statement of, like, here's my opinion on hustle culture, right? Because I think everyone's different. Yes. And, you know, I think, you know, whatever that means to people or, you know, whether it's something that people, like, you know, dip their toes into, it's different. Yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, you know, I really i i do enjoy kind of thriving in that like hustle culture but doing it in a way to make sure that i'm happy while i'm doing it and i think that's Ah, the most important thing that at least definitely more like you know within the past you know not like post pandemic you know like sure launching off in the world uh you know that kind of became a big thing of like you know, don't just, like, be hustling and do the things just for the sake of, like, well, I got to get to this point And, yeah. you know, I'm going to be miserable the whole entire way. But you know what? Maybe when I get to that point, I will finally be happy. And it's like, well, no. Yeah. Like, I, you know, took a step back and, you know, really realized that, hey, yes, I want to be happy when I hit that top point for me. Yeah. But I want to also be happy on, the, on that journey.
0: Uh-huh. I think that's so important that people forget sometimes that there is the importance of like living your life along the way Mm -hmm. i was super guilty of that personally in just like being so focused on what my goal was and i had this like massive plan that i was going to retire at 35 and i was going to do all these things and i had all these like really big benchmarks but they were all based about around stopping my work
1: or, mm-hmm. like, not
0: having to work. To be able to make it optional if I had to work or not. Sure. But if I actually think through that process, I mean, part of what we do is, like, like work isn't just a thing to do to get money. Work can have purpose and meaning, too. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that was a change in mindset for me, was the, the focus in, like, okay, well, there's meaning in life outside of, like, you don't have to do something anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe and i'm just like having like a self actualization in this moment while we're talking <laughs> but I, I think that maybe part of that for me was actually sitting there and like now that i say it out loud like i have such a disdain for like having to be obligated to do things in life that mm-hmm. i wonder if that drive for me to try and eliminate my work and not have it be something that was required of me just stems from me like not wanting to have an obligation
1: right possibly
0: maybe i have no idea (laughs) i have absolutely no idea and i know that's kind of a little bit of a tangent from what we were talking about but i just i don't know if i i mean from for you like between your 20s and 30s that's a pretty formative time right you've got college you're out of high Mm -hmm. school you're Mm -hmm. living on your own Mm -hmm. um for the first time and you went straight like you didn't take any time right you went straight high school into college and that was right into your career field correct yep Okay, and then right out of your career field, or right out of college, you were directly like, applied for the job, got it right away, and you were working in that industry.
1: A week after I graduated, I was working (laughs) (laughs) full-time.
0: Which is so wild. Now, what remind me again what you went to school for.
1: Well, (laughs) so I went to school for music. Yes. Um, It was a Bachelor of Arts in Music, um, and it had like an arts management component to it as well. Um, so I, I knew that I, you know, I, I really bounced around in college, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking about how, you know, the, your 20s are your formative years. Like, so leading into that, you know, I started off with, well, you know, I think I want to do broadcasting. You know, I think maybe I want to be like a TV host on a travel show or m- do something in that industry. Yeah. But, you know, I love music too, so I'm going to keep that as a minor. Um, but, you know, first semester in college, I Hated my broadcasting classes, but I really enjoyed everything music related. Um, I enjoyed my trumpet lessons. I enjoyed everything that kind of came along with it. So that I, you know, by the end of freshman year, I hit a point of like, all right, like, broadcasting isn't it, but like, what is, you know, my, my trumpet professor was really helpful in kind of the journey of me trying to figure out what I want to do. Cause he's like, all right, well, there's music education, there's music therapy, there's music performance. Um, but there's also this thing called arts management. And I'm like, well, what's that? And he's like, well, it's like, you know, a newer thing. Um, but you know, it's, it's for people who, you know, enjoy the arts field, but Want to do more of the administrative side of it, yeah. in any sort of you know entertainment industry or even not just nonprofits as well as you know a lot of arts organizations tend to be nonprofits. So that ended up being the path I I went down, and you know, and even then I never thought, oh yeah, you know, I want to work at Playhouse Square. That's what I want to do. It, I just kind of kept falling into things, and yeah. very very luckily. So
0: interesting. So it was kind of. Like, you just were moving down this path, and you're like, well, I seem to like this. And you kind of just moved in the direction of the thing that you felt you were, like, enjoying at that time.
1: Very much so. I I feel like a lot of my life has been, like, a series of, like, domino effects, you know? Yeah. Like, in in fifth grade, you know, it's it's kind of your, like, Harry Potter wand-picking moment when, like, you (laughs) pick your instrument that you're going to play. Yeah. Like, Like, I still vividly remember walking into the band room and, like, the teacher was sitting there saying like, okay, like here's a bunch of instruments for you to try out, like see what you want to make a noise on. Like I was like, was hell bent on being a percussionist. um, But like little nugget child, me couldn't carry the drum case. So they're like, well, you can't play this. So pick something else. (laughs)
0: Tell me more about that story.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) I want to hear it. So like, so like I, like I walked in the room and like, you're supposed to pick like your top three instruments. And I had, drums for every single one. I was like, this is what I wanna do. I really want to play this instrument. You were set on it. I have no clue why, but I for whatever reason, like 10-year-old me wanted to be a percussionist. Yeah. And so like I like walk in and like I like give my paper to like Mr. Vera and he like looks at it and he like looks at me. And like keep in mind I'm like literally this nugget child, this like four foot eleven like <laughs> like little like toothpick child. Like <laughs> um. Who, like no muscle met like nothing like and so he like looks at me and he's like all right anderson like if you can carry this drum case all the way down to the principal's office and back you can play drums he's like because you're gonna have to carry this on and off the bus every single week for school yeah and i'm like okay okay yeah i'm gonna try get down there i Failed miserably because this oh no. kid named Joe Latona had to ki- like I. So Joe ingrained in my freaking memory, Joe. freaking Joe Latona. We're
0: calling out Joe on this show.
1: <laughs> had to carry the drum case back for me. And I remember like he like set it down for me. He leaves and then like Mr. Vera looks at me. He's like, "Well, I guess you're not playing drums." So I'm oh. like, "Ah, like ah." But I will say, you know, in the moment, as devastating as that was, like. Ending up in trumpet was this whole domino effect of like amazing things. Like I made a lot of really great friends because of that. And some of whom are like are still like my good friends to this day. Yeah, and got a whole friend group from it. Um, you know, it ended up cat like helping me to you know get in into marching band, which was something I really enjoyed, and ah, got okay. to make a lot of additional friends from. I you know ended up studying it in college, and you know, being you know, being able to have that music minor, meeting my trumpet professor, him kind of coaching me through, like, different career options, fell into, like, the path that I went down. It's just, like, it's just all these, like, weird little domino things that, like, that one simple choice that didn't seem like a big choice at the time, like, really added up to what have been some kind of, like, big important moments in my life.
0: Like, your life could look vastly different if yeah. there's like an alternate universe somewhere where little Megan was able to get the strength to carry that drum yeah. set, who the hell knows what happened.
1: Oh, hundred. Like genuinely, I really think like my life would have been very different had yeah. I been a percussionist. Like it would have, you know, potentially been different friends. It could have potentially been like a different career path. Like sure, sure. it's, it's very interesting. Like how that one little thing in fifth grade, like, launched all these different different things. Wow.
0: So that's a deep dive. That's really into, yeah. like, the start <laughs> of this whole process for you. And uh, did you know relatively early on, did you feel like you had an idea of what it was you wanted to do with your life, like, career-wise?
1: No. I, and you know what? I, I still don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good. That, that just leads okay. right into my question. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like, I found, I, I think, like, any human, like, I, I don't know too many who like are confidently like, yes, I'm going to be blah, blah, blah. And yeah. like, and they say that when they're five and by the time they're 35, you're like, well, damn, you're doing the damn thing. All right. 30 yeah. years of dreaming come true. Um, but, you know, like as a kid, I was like, ah oh, you know, I want to be a paleontologist. I love dinosaurs. I want to do that. I, or, you know, watched Project Runway and I was like, I'm going to be a fashion designer, even though i w- not artistic whatsoever. But eight year old me thought I was. Um, or, you know, I thought, you know, later on thought I was going to be a television host on a travel show Sure, sure. or, you know, like there was just like this whole slew of stuff. And, you know, there was a period of time in my twenties where like, I felt like I, I was on like a confident path of like what I wanted to do. I was like, you know what? Yes. Like I want to be like president CEO of Playhouse Square one day. I think yeah. like I—that's what I want to do. Like, vision is set on it. Like, that's that's what's going to happen. Sure, sure. But you know, like even like once the pandemic hit, like you know, and really kind of sitting with thoughts, um, and, you know, just how things have like shifted now, it—I don't know what my dream is, and that's okay. Like, I, and I've learned to be comfortable with the unknown because sometimes, like, I, I feel like everyone always wants answers. Like, you, you always want to know, like, sure sure uh, and, you know, there's so many things that I think we as humans do to make sure we have answers for everything yeah. that's going on. Yeah. You know, whether it, I, for, for all sorts of reasons and, and, and questions. So it's, it's something that I, I think it's okay sometimes with your career to be like, well, you know, am I, am I happy? Yeah, you know, do I am I checking off all like my basic needs? Yeah. yeah. Well, then, okay, just see where life takes you, because uh, again, you know, it, I, I just think to my journey and every everything that has happened to me has has hasn't had like this deep, long plan to it. Right. You know, like with Quidditch, you know, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to volunteer for this thing. You know, it seems like a fun thing to do. And here I am 10 years later.
0: So you literally got into that to let everyone know, got into that on a whim of I'm going to check this out and volunteer and I liked it. So I stayed.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know what? I, it's, it's so lovely to, you know, just chase after what makes you happy and just where the universe takes you because sometimes those things that you chase like as like a small happy thing that you do for yourself like can turn into a career
0: yeah do you do you feel like you're pretty good at knowing the things that you don't like quickly
1: I'm getting better at it. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I'm i always someone who I will always try something at least once. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think that is an important thing because, you know, how how can you know you don't like something if you don't try it? Um, I mean, granted, I feel like there are certain things that, you're, that can be a very for certain, like, mm, no, like not 100% hardcore, like not feeling it. But, sure. you know, I think there's some things that – you just don't know until you give it a shot. Yeah. And yeah. so I usually just kind of lead with that sort of mindset of, you know, can't knock it till you try it.
0: Okay. So what would you say for the type of person that's maybe in a career or field that they're not really thrilled with? They're not loving what they do, but they've always had some, yeah, you know, whether they have an idea or not, but they're not loving what, where they're at right now. What do you What do you do for that? Like, what does that type of person have to do to work out of that?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think it's you know taking moments to just try different things and see what kind of sticks. And when I say try different things, you know, uh, of course, you know, I I know that a lot of people aren't just gonna like leap away from their job and be like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go try this thing on a whim. You know, sure. maybe it's moments where you do informational interviews with people who you know have jobs that seem interesting. You know, people love talking about themselves. I mean listen to me. I'm talking about myself and I'm having, I'm having a great time over here. Um, you know, so like, and I I think people underestimate the power of an informational interview, you know, just like reaching out, emailing, calling someone, uh, reaching out on LinkedIn and being like, Hey, you know what? I I'm looking at switching careers, you know, or, you know, just entertaining, doing something in the field. I would love to, just have 30 minutes on Zoom or, you know, a coffee chat just to learn what it is that you do. And and more often than not, people are going to be like, you know what? You just need 30 minutes of my time. Great. Done. And you know what? You never know what kind of doors yeah. that opens. Another thing that I think people really underestimate are, you know, taking on like a volunteer opportunity or even like, temporary or you know part-time type positions you know if you find that like you know your full-time job is leaving you with some additional free time you know maybe try other things out in that capacity just so you can kind of test out you know is this something that I want to pursue in a full-time basis and you know being able to try it out as a volunteer or part-time employee gives you that opportunity to also make connections too, which I, I think at the end of the day like you know, thinking to my journey, uh, you know, a lot of things that I've, I've fallen into really has been based on connections or, you know, it several things, you know, have been like kind of a don't have a connection with this and just kind of left right in. But I, most things have been because, oh, you know what, I you know, I know Megan, you know, reached out to her for this. And, you know, now yeah. I'm working the film festival every year as an <laughs> sure, independent sure. contractor, you know, like things like that are because. You just know someone or like, oh, you know, I met this person volunteering or whatever. So you just got to get out there and you just got to try stuff. Because if if you continue just to do what you do and just like grumble about your job and be like, oh, you know, I wish I could do something else. But but you don't do anything to change what you're doing. You're going to get the same results over and over and over again.
0: No, that, that makes sense, 100%. Yeah. And if, if you don't have that spark of action, and I get it, it is hard sometimes. It is really hard to get out of a cycle yeah. for some folks. And for me, like, it's it, it. maybe this is different for you, but do you feel like it comes pretty naturally for you to talk to people or talk to people that you don't know? And is that a skill that you've developed or have you always had that?
1: It, Yeah, so that... It does come pretty naturally to me. Yeah. Um, I, what's weird is sometimes I feel more comfortable talking to a stranger than like people that I already have like a rapport with. Because I feel like it, it, there's something so fascinating going in like cold to someone that you're like, all right, I don't know anything about this person so there's nothing I need to memorize about this person like in the conversation that you know oh like if I you know slip up you know forgetting that oh they have three children or something like that you know then you're like oh like you're stressed out what but you know when it's someone you you don't have a connection (laughs) with I I find it easier (laughs) sometimes you could ask anything in the world
0: you're like I know nothing about this person so it could be literally anything
1: it's a blank canvas when you're meeting a stranger and it's so great but you know it's it's something that I, you know, have had to work with, you know, I was actually like, I I don't know, I've gone through phases. Like as a kid, I was slightly outgoing, but then became very uh, more introverted or, you know, shy kind of personality. And it wasn't really until I got to college that I started to open up a lot more. And now like, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Like> <laughs> if anyone yeah.
0: knows megan then you know very much you're a social butterfly that is the yeah, appropriate oh, thanks. proper thanks. terminology i think in the most fitting way
1: thanks i appreciate that of course
0: no and i, I think that that's a skill that if you're gonna say okay here's this if you wanted to work on a singular skill that would help you change the route of your life it's how do you connect with more people Mm, right yeah. i think that that could be one of the most things to help with versatility because it's so hard to get out of the world that you know and you're familiar with and if that's a world that you want to change you do have to integrate yourself with other groups and other ideas and other people and that hap- and if you're not like for me that's not a natural thing so i have to force myself into those types of situations <laughs> so whether it's tagging along with people that are mm-hmm. more social or i'm like okay well i know this group and i can i can ride along and then when I get there I'm already in the water so I'll swim you know like that kind of mindset where it's like okay I can separate and I can find the way to do it that works for me Mm -hmm. and I think that for I think that's incredible advice for folks that are you know trying to find change find a way to expand the circle of people that you're with. Yeah. Would you say that's like kind of a good cap on or oh, summary of what you're trying to say here?
1: A hundred percent. Because, you know, if, it, if it's always, you know, the same people, you're always going to get the same ideas and conversations thrown at you. But yeah. it's, it's not until you like expand your horizon, even if you expand it by one or two people, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can make a difference and you know how you're thinking, you know how you like move forward with your life. Um, but, you know, and not to say that, you know i'm going to bounce around for just a moment Go for um it. not to say that you know in order to find a life changing experience it has to be you know uh, catapulted by a conversation with someone or you know making a connection you know th- sure. there's, there's other things you can do you know you can take a class at a community college or you know there's always like free like uh Oh, goodness. What is it called? Um, they're like free audited courses from like different universities, like on like edX or okay. things like that, that are completely free. And like, you know, it's as if you're taking that class, but it kind of gives you a taste of like, OK, you know what? I might want to get into coding, but, you know, I don't know if I want to invest money in this or take a class so you can like free audit, uh, you know, a classroom like Harvard. For example, and it's as if you're in like an eight-week course class, mm-hmm. but now you have a picture of like, okay, you know what? I enjoyed that experience, so n- I think I do want to give yeah. coding a try and actually go take paid courses to get certified in this area. It
0: makes sense, and that that applies to every aspect of life, right? Like you were yeah. saying with the interview earlier. Let's, it's as simple as ask, you know, but it does require you to put yourself in a situation that's new and different. Still,
1: exactly, exactly, yeah. and and kind of going back to the making connections thing you know i think even beyond career stuff you know like personal life at like how you conduct yourself or thoughts and feelings about things you know talking to others i i believe is a super important too like yeah. i used to do this thing is called craft fear and conversation mm-hmm. and like the goal of that was to bring people together over like a controversial topic and oh, you really? know bringing people from different viewpoints all down together at a table to discuss it with one another.
0: When did you do that?
1: When or yeah. why? When? Uh, oh, goodness. This started in... 2015? 2016? Did it for a few I years? Think. I did, yeah. I did it for like three years.
0: How do you think it would handle... Like, you think it's doable now? I think it's necessary now, but I feel like there's also a lot more tension around people's opinion.
1: Oh! Uh, you know i i started it in the height of the uh, the trump presidency right at the beginning of that uh, so you know was that there, a spur
0: for you like it, it actually was like, you know
1: i was very frustrated that i saw a lot of you know friends on facebook saying you know hey you know people with this viewpoint i unfriend me now i want nothing to do with you and like people were just kind of straight up blocking individuals which you know, definitely to a point I can certainly understand, but I think it's very important to have conversations because if we're continuing to not talk to each other about differing viewpoints, um, it it's just going to build a higher and higher wall between yeah, each other. Yeah, absolutely. And making it more and more difficult for progress to be made on certain subjects. You know, I think a, more times than not, uh, you know, from what I found from these conversations that we did, because, you know, we did conversations on gun control, we've talked about abortion, we've talked about immigration, and a lot of times the people who, ha- their, their viewpoint is stemmed from their own life experiences or, you know, experiences that have been shared from those around them. And that's kind of what has informed them of how they think. And you know what if you think about like your own viewpoints, you can probably peg back where, where did I pick up this viewpoint or like, where did I, where did I hear this? Where did I read this? that I went, yep. Like I feel that way or Hey, you know, I experienced Mm -hmm. this thing. Um, You know, it's, it's, there was, like, a really great example um, regarding ab- abortion, and it, it was more – it's an article that, like, I read, um, not necessarily a conversation that was had. Sure. But it was, you know, two people differing opinions, and they both were, like, angry at each other of, like, how could you have this viewpoint? But it wasn't until, like, both of them realized that they both had very personal experiences with it that they're like, you know what, I don't agree with you, but I can understand why you have that viewpoint now. And it's, it's, it's very interesting. Like the switch that turns on when you go, okay, now you're not just like a person like yelling at me with a viewpoint, but like I get where your passion is coming from with this viewpoint. And I understand why, like you put a story to the sentence. Hmm. And, And I think when, you have the opportunity to have like a civil conversation with someone. It, it really can bring a lot of thoughts and it can also bring about change too. You know, you're not, you can't sit down and just talk at someone like you have to talk to someone. And it's when you start talking to someone about those differing viewpoints is when any progress can be made. I mean, now some people are just straight up assholes and like (laughs) you're never going to get them to budge. And you know what? That's, you know when you do what you will with that, sure. But you know more times than not, it, a lot of people just aren't exposed to a more rooted reason why a certain viewpoint exists, or you know yeah. they they've never they've never met anyone who is trans, as sure. an example, or you know anyone who is uh, gay. Yeah. And you know it's not until they sit down and have that conversation and like put a face to what is going on that they're like. I get it now, and I actually am thinking about this differently now.
0: Yeah, that's that's so important. And I think that part of that is getting that conversation, like, off the internet and getting in person. I think that there's a huge value of actually being with somebody for that conversation. Mm -hmm. That's a hard conversation to have someone when there's a barrier, because people can put a lot of emotions and can block and, like, not – People can be more of an asshole on the internet. Oh, for sure. So when it's it's harder to have that conversation when you actually do associate it with a person to be sitting down face to face and like you're gonna have to really you're gonna have to really consider what you say mm-hmm. a little bit more than you would. And like you said, there's always there's always the oddball person that You that, can
1: say it asshole trolls.
0: Yes, that's gonna go ahead and <laughs> that's gonna go ahead and have their opinion and they're just gonna be there to make everybody be a pain in like be a pain in the ass but
1: <laughs> we're swearing a lot today everyone. Yeah, yeah, this this one's getting the e.
0: Um <laughs> No, but I think it's I, I you know that's a great thing and I think using conversation not only professionally but also personally is as important mm-hmm. to progression in life for people and probably progression for people as a whole. Yeah. Like Otherwise, how do we move forward? How do we get past it? Because right now, things are, like, eh. Like, when you sit down and talk to people, it's fine. But when you spend too much time on the internet or, like, Mm -hmm. looking at what's going on in the news, man, that can mess up your head really fast. Yeah. It really can. And I think that it's so easy to get caught in that trap.
1: Exactly. Now, it's about finding the stories beyond kind of what's being presented to you in the news, which is important and could lead to you know, really, a really cool journey for yeah. you as a human. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. And I, I, I guess, so that was a, a, absolute, a big sidebar, but I, I think it's still an important part of the conversation, no matter what, because yeah. like, I don't know, why else are we here? You know, why else do we sit down and have conversations like this for people to listen to? <laughs> like,
1: right, exactly.
0: There's gotta be something to take from it. And I think the thing to take <laughs> from it is, you know, it doesn't, it's not just trying to convince somebody your point, but it's also being open to theirs, right? It's both ways. The, the conversation goes two ways and it has to in order to work.
1: Exactly.
0: I mean, there's so many times my perspectives changed in my life that I can think of that have been like, okay, I didn't understand what this was. And then after meeting someone or talking to more people, I felt a lot better about you know well i felt a little bit bad for the way i had been but i also felt better that it's like okay well i did make some progress here i feel like i understand the world a little bit better mm-hmm. would be the best way to put it for me
1: most definitely
0: so have in i'm just this is a again sidebar conversation <laughs> when you had the 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 like uh craft beer meeting thing yes i forget the name um
1: craft beer conversation
0: that should be easy enough right <laughs> <laughs> Craft beer and conversation. When you had that, did you ever have any like meetings that got heated?
1: Ooh.
0: Or was it pretty civil? I'm
1: trying to think back. I mean, definitely the one on gun control was fascinating because, like, literally someone rolled in straight from a gun show. Okay. Yeah. There. Uh, and and there were definitely individuals who strongly opposed. Uh, you know, a, a lot of you know lack of. Rules around gun safety and things. Sure. Uh, sure. So it was a very, like, that was a very, like, contradicting Mm. moment and conversation uh, and viewpoint brought to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Trying to think what else. I think it's.
0: I think one of the reasons why conflict like that happens a lot of times is because when you're on the opposing, when you're thinking of the opposing side, you've already kind of come up with their arguments for them sometimes Mm -hmm. before you hear out what the person has to say. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and I think also sometimes it's hard to have a constructive conversation because if it's a conversation you don't know you're going to have and it's Mm -hmm. sprung on you, you go into defense mode. Sure. In how you're speaking and going about things. I mean, I know I'm guilty of it constantly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, trying to be better about it. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's when, you know, that environment was created and you're like, okay, I know I'm going in. I'm talking about immigration. You know, the, there's someone kind of walking around the room just to kind of make sure everything is saying civil. You know, I'm being reminded of... You know, how to have a civil conversation at the start of the meeting, you know, asking clarifying questions in a kind way, making eye contact, not raising yeah. your voice. Um, we had this lovely tagline that, um, you know, my friend Ian came up with. He was like, raise your glass, not your voice uh, <laughs> uh-huh. for the meetings. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's when you know what you're entering into, you're able to have a much more level-headed conversation more times than not so i mean to be to, to answer your question of you know did things ever get heated i mean sure there were disagreements but nothing was ever yelling nothing was ever like to the point where people like stormed off or were angry it's yeah. it's because everyone knew what they were getting themselves into and were ready to have a constructive conversation and, and also to have a listening ear
0: yeah that's okay so are you having conduct guidelines before they started probably helped Set the expectation yeah. a little bit more of what would be happening, as opposed to like, here's some beer and shots, and let's fucking let it go. Right, right. <laughs> <Let's> which, it, <laughs> w-
1: which is so funny because some people were like, <laughs> yeah. "You want to have beer with like a uh, uh, like cr- yeah. conversation on like immigration?" And I'm like, "Yes, because we all can be adults here." Yeah, and have a civil conversation. Exactly. Oh
0: my gosh, so cool. Um, so question about something that you'd mentioned earlier and yeah this is taking us back a little bit here but you had said that you didn't find yourself particularly artistic um yeah you mentioned that but you work in the arts field yes how how does that how does that relate for you when you're working around people? I mean, do you feel like you have any artistic ability, or are you talking specifically about a specific set?
1: Ah, uh, definitely talking about drawing. Drawing. Okay, there, gotcha. I will give you some lovely stick figures. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. <laughs> but I mean, like it, artist, artistic, artistic has like a broad term. Like yeah. definitely, like mu- like ha- I having a music background. Yeah. Um, you know, that's an area I feel a lot more comfortable in. Okay. Um but you know what? There are people that work in the arts field that don't necessarily have an artistic talent, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, I, some people, you know, just want to support that industry, and you know, mm-hmm. while they may not have something artistic to bring to the table, they have something, you know, maybe from like an administrative background that they can bring to the table and sure. contribute towards the cause.
0: Makes sense. Do you enjoy your role doing what you do?
1: I do. You know, I, I'm very lucky to be in a place where like I have coworkers that I trust and have great admiration for. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I feel like it not a lot of people, you know, can say that, you know, there's not a single person, you know, in my office environment that I, I don't get along with or, you know, don't enjoy having a conversation with. Yeah. You know, it's it's a really, really great family feeling working there, you know, both for, uh, you know, my job at Playhouse Square and, and also with my job at U.S. Quidditch, you, you know. Have
0: been in a job you didn't like?
1: Ooh, a job I didn't like. Uh, you know, I have great admiration for people who are in the catering world. I, okay. I had a stint uh, in catering for a period of my life. <laughs> okay. yeah i know i've got a lot of weird secret jobs in the, the background <laughs> got that i was yeah. a baker at a cupcake shop for a while you? Okay. i uh what else have i done i been in the fast food industry, that chocolate industry. Uh, so a lot of food service. Yeah, type lots of things, food stuff. Yeah, but yeah. man, catering—that's a mm-hmm. thankless job. It's it it really it really is. It's like you get worked to the bone, yeah. and it is just go go go. You have it, it's just it, not not for me. You know, I did it for maybe less than a year, and you great money, yeah. really great money as a college student. But sure, sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what would you consider your personality type then so out of like the four main personality types people that are more of the like driving like to lead uh, someone more analytical working on like back end and numbers the more social side of things being kind of in front people to people mm-hmm. or being uh, oh my goodness more of the feelings side of things how would you say you operate out of those like which would be your primary characteristics
1: I'd say definitely the driving leader i'm for for those who do the enneagram uh i'm a type eight so (laughs) i i I thrive in the or at least strive to be in you know leadership roles when possible or or I, i find myself i just like naturally kind of fall into it yeah um whether i intentionally do it or like unintentionally do it and in those unintentional moments i like look back and go like Oh, fuck! How did I get in charge of this? <laughs> like wait, whoa, whoa, whoa whoa, whoa like when when it, now why am I leading this meeting now, or like wait, how why uh, why am I in charge of this event now? like what's going on? you like to steer the ship? yeah, and I just I find more often than not, I just like naturally mm-hmm. end up kind of in the role um you know, whether it be you know in a work environment or even like in a friend environment, you know sometimes some people will like throw ideas of like, oh my God like we should all go to this concert together. This looks so fun, like in a group text. And then like it's crickets. And then I'm like, all right, everyone. So, okay, here's how much the tickets are. Like here, here are all the things. Like who wants to go? Let me know by this date. Here's a Google form for everyone to fill out. Like our friend group loves Google forms. We love them. (laughs) If you and your friends have never used Google forms or Google spreadsheets to organize yourselves when you're doing large group stuff. And I know Jake, you're giving me a look right now. But I will and you can't see it at home, everyone, but I I'm just here to say it they're great. They're the great big for organizing.
0: From this entire show <laughs> is use Google Forms for your Yes. Friends. Oh yes. my gosh. So that's you in you saying that, I under, and I understand that you have leadership and driver type ter- personalities but i think that there's also an element of you having the analytical side that you enjoy the numbers of things
1: i do i really get like a thrill off of people like as an example like mm-hmm. filling out surveys like i love like looking at the data and be like oh my god okay there's 12 people who have served this filled out this <laughs> survey <laughs> now okay so like what pe- what are people saying like what like what's the feedback like i mm-hmm. get a thrill off of that it's very weird i know
0: oh my- um <laughs> A good but Excel I, spreadsheet that's all yeah. organized. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. <laughs> Toss dirty to me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Talk numbers to me.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's so funny.
1: So yeah, I, I will say yeah, I while I, I tend to go for like the leadership driver style, mm. I do have like bits of the analytical in there but also like bits of the feelings too like i i am someone who is like always very conscious of like all right like how's everyone feeling how's everyone doing i like i want to make sure that like everyone's okay so like i i will always be conscious of
0: do you feel like any one of those traits is more learned than the others Hmm.
1: i think the feelings thing um
0: I think you're naturally a conscientious person,
1: yeah, and I, I think I actually get it from my family, yeah, oddly enough. you okay. know like i I, <laughs> I had this moment one day where so like I a lot of my friends like know that like I'm and even some coworkers know that like I'm sometimes o- painfully overly apologetic yes. for things yeah <laughs> whoa I've that's seen a, this before the I can fastest can yes ever
0: can confirm. <laughs>
1: Uh, But, you know, I always was like, where did I get this from? And it wasn't until one day something was going on with my dad and then he started doing it. And I like had this gasping moment. I was like, this is where I got it from. It's you. you. It's you. Like, I don't know if anyone else has ever had a moment like that where like you, like you realize that like you have a learned trait from like a parent or other family member. And it's not until you see it in action that you're like, Oh, that's where i got it. Oh. This is why i am the way i am in this aspect.
0: Can relate. Yeah. I, I think i can relate <laughs> to that as well. So I, I could i could uh i can already <laughs> imagine some of those tendencies. I think i take more after some of my mom's people-pleasing tendencies and my dad mm-hmm. and my sister takes more after my dad. He's more mm-hmm. they're both more confrontational. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's i totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> That's that's so interesting though. I man, I don't know. It's so I, I like delving into someone's like personality type because I feel like it helps in your decision making too. People yeah. with more leadership personalities I think are typically more action takers. Mm-hmm. People that are very, very strong on the feeling side a lot of times will be overly cautious mm-hmm. of taking action at the cost of they rather make themselves hurt than deal with hurting somebody else. Mm-hmm. And most people I don't know where I'm making this up. I'm not going to say a number because I can't remember the statistic, but I did. <laughs> I do remember specifically that most people fall into more of a people-pleasing category. Mm. There are naturally more followers than leaders.
1: Yeah. So
0: it is something to be conscientious of if you find yourself always wanting to do something for somebody else. And sometimes it's hard to separate for us people-pleasers. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What we actually want, Right. And I mean, you probably felt that, too, when you're when you're apologizing. Sometimes you'll do things for others at any cost to yourself, like not worry. Like you've said it yourself that you've put yourself through a lot of stuff by just saying yes, yes, yes all the time. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting dynamic for sure. And I I guess knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are Mm -hmm. are definitely important in trying to figure out. What path you're taking or how to develop yourself as a person because Mm -hmm. the moral of my show that I do is what you're doing some will come natural but a lot will take work and I think that that's something that sometimes we write off is that it's gonna take work to get there (laughs) you know it really is and and that's tough
1: a hundred percent you know it's it's one of those things where like you look at a lot of people who've kind of like they've made it, yeah. but it's, you don't really get to see the light shown on the journey that took them to, you know, make it. And, you know, I, I think some people are very fortunate enough to kind of fall into career paths that, you know, either they naturally like have the skill sets for, or they, you know, are willing to take the time to learn those skill sets. And, you know, I I think it's it's so important sometimes to like take stock. Like if if you're questioning, you know, your career path and everything. Yeah. Sometimes it's important I think to take stock and, well, okay, what are my skill sets? When are the moments that I'm utilizing my skill sets that make me feel happy? Yeah. And yeah. what are skill sets that maybe I don't have yet, but I'd like to achieve or, you know, be able to have someday. And, you know, and, like, taking stock in, like, all those different things, I think then you can kind of compare, okay, here's where I'm feeling in these categories. Does my current job help, like, check any of those boxes? You know, am I learning skill sets on my job that I want to learn? Or am I utilizing skill sets that I really enjoy in my job lets those skill sets shine? Or, you know, are there natural skill sets that, you know, help make my job that I'm doing, you know, a little bit effortless, you know, in those tough moments, because, you know, you could love your job so, so much, but there's still going to be tough moments.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And,
1: and, you know, like, I think, you know, when you take a moment to pause like that, if you're kind of struggling with your career path, I think then you can kind of go, okay, so if my job isn't fulfilling certain things, what kind of jobs maybe would, and, you know, that could maybe catapult like a whole adventure for you to go down cuz sometimes it's 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 hard to be like okay a job a job a job like what kind of job do i want but it's it's when you kind of take stock of your own characteristics and yeah. see what kind of jobs maybe those add up to or what that might spark maybe that's the way to go about it
0: and it might be something that's completely unexpected to you right like like you said, you, sometimes we go in things with the, into things with the best intention or mm-hmm. best plan, and you'll find mm-hmm. yourself in a completely different space than you ever even imagined being yeah. in, and that's okay. Like, I, I think that it's it's some people, and the other thing that's dangerous too is idealizing to the point where sometimes if you build something up so much when you get there it's not exactly what you expect it to be Mm -hmm. and i think there's so many people so many people that are very successful that have put a lot into it they get to the point that they were going to and they spend all that time getting there and then they go like okay i'm here now what right right i'm here now what
1: right exactly so
0: there's there's no right way to do it
1: there's not you know one of my favorite Uh, you know kind of stories to share is so you know our current president and CEO Gina um, at Playhouse square she started off you know in school as a studio art major okay and from there she <laughs> she always tells the story of you know like she just like kind of happened to go to college like her friends like were getting in the car and they were like wanna go and she's like I guess like, sure. Yeah. And then from there, like she just has kind of like fell into the theater world. And wow. now she's, you know, a Tony voter, uh, you know, this president and CEO of the largest performing arts center out of New York city. But yeah. it's, you know, it, some people think, you know, like, Oh, well, you know, like I do studio art, like there's no way I could ever get to that. Well, no, you can. Yeah. It's just, you know, a matter of, you know, being intentional about what you want to do, or, you know what, if you're not being intentional, which I, you know, I think there are a lot of moments that, you know, she wasn't sure what she wanted either and just kind of kept showing up and was like, yeah, you know what, let's see where this goes. Um, You know, it kind of leads to a, oh, this is my career path. Like, you know, I'm glad I kept showing up and kind of kept with this thing that I stumbled into, but you got to be willing to take risks and, you know, try different things out and see where it leads you.
0: I, I 100% agree and I think that being able to it it takes building some confidence. It takes getting yeah. out there and exposing yourself to people mm-hmm. and getting into, you know, a different mindset sometimes can be tough too cuz mm-hmm. some people struggle with the confidence. You know, there's all different parts of it that can be tr- that can be tricky. Yeah. Getting t- into that process. Sometimes it's the accessibility of like what you have and what you know sometimes it's so hard to do something because you just don't even know what the options are. Right. Right. Like, or you've never had those options in your life or, you know, it's hard for you to, to get there because there's, there's financial barriers. There's a million things, Yeah. but there's always a way it's just, it, it's going to be a different path for everybody is why it's so hard to advise on that because it really is a case by case situation and it it is vastly different for each person.
1: A hundred percent. Well, you know, and kind of, hit on it a little bit but you know there's a lot of like equity issues in the world that do prevent people from like kind of being able to fully explore what it is that they want to do and yeah. you know that is something that you know it, it it's it's challenging you know i i i would hope that you know individuals who you know, are seeking out, you know, that informational interview or whatnot who may not come from, you know, the background that uh, allowed them a lot of privileges. You know, I, I would hope that, you know, if, you know if, if you're someone listening to this that, you know, are in like a more privileged standpoint, that you would be someone who is willing to take that 30 minutes to talk to them and, you know, connect them with someone or, oh, yeah. you know, be able to, you know, if, if you aren't the person who can, you know, talk with them or, Uh, you know, make a connection, you know, help, help out in some other way. You know, it's about being able to not only lift yourself up, but helping lift others up too, as such an important thing to do.
0: And there's an important, uh, one other, just to add on to that, that it's important to acknowledge that everyone's road is different because trying to put your circumstances on someone else, like, oh, this worked for you, doesn't, it doesn't fit from person to person. It doesn't no. fit from circumstance or life, you know, life to life. They're, they're vastly different. So in doing that little extra thing where you help somebody a little bit, or even just connecting them with somebody who can, or, you know, giving that time a day, it could be personal. It could be a job. It could be a million different things, but it could help be that one little catalyst for somebody to be very life changing.
1: A hundred percent.
0: So I love that. I think that that's a really nice point to add to end on.
1: I think so too. <laughs>
0: what a nice little nice little bow on it i think to (laughs) say here's a life-changing thing you can do plus i've got a dog that's getting restless since we're recording at (laughs) home and she she's ready so (laughs) i guess that's all for today guys megan i am so happy we finally got to sit down and do this
1: thanks no it was so great to be here thanks for listening to all these lovely tangents i appreciate it and who knows? Maybe you'll have me back.
0: I think that you will. I think that you might be a, a guest that gets a repeat, a repeat stuff because I feel like there's other stuff that we haven't even touched yet that we could talk about. But if we keep going, we're gonna have like a three-hour. Oh gosh, episode. yeah, so, yeah,
1: yeah. No, you're right. You're right.
0: So we'll we'll cut it here at an hour and ten minutes for everybody listening. Woo! <laughs> well if
1: you enjoyed this podcast do you want
0: to do the plugs yeah where can everyone find you
1: oh my gosh where can everyone find you Do you you
0: want everyone to find you
1: well no i was gonna say where they can find you oh you're gonna plug me yeah okay so uh, (laughs) uh so uh follow finding self with jake on instagram and facebook uh this podcast while well, you're listening to it now so, so clearly you found, found it, it. You found so us. good <laughs> job.
0: send it to a friend
1: send it yes that's your challenge today send it to one
0: friend that's it just one person
1: they don't have to listen to it but just send just it, send it to him. i mean
0: no context don't even put it yeah. what it is just send it to them they're going to be like who the hell is jake
1: yeah send it to a stranger maybe this is how you make your yeah, connection
0: put a random number in your phone yeah and just <gasps> forward it right from spotify
1: that's to it. a stranger's that's phone that's the move everyone
0: Thank you so much for listening, everybody. This is Jake and Megan. Have an awesome, awesome day. Bye. Bye.